wiggling light up fun of heroic proportions, shake us and we flash bright colors. Build your wibbly buddy superhero team today. Headstrong. Marvel. Dear listener to our podcast, Jeff and Rick present Unpacking the Power of Power Pack. Where we journey through each issue of comics that include a member of the most underrated Marvel series from the 80s while drinking beer. Analyzing awesome and amazing adjacent adolescent adventures and absorbing alcohol. I am Jeff. And I am Rick. We're going on a random banter. We're going on a random banter. I've got my binoculars. I've got my binoculars. I'm not scared. I'm not scared. Random banter time, buddy. Talk to me. Tell me tall tales and tantalizing tidbits of trivia today. Possibly something about going on a jungle adventure. Going on a dinosaur hunt. Going on a dinosaur hunt. Yeah, yeah, yep. Yeah, a little dino hunt. A little preschool song, so yes. That's because you just passed preschool, right? Yes, except that song put lie to it, because I was scared. I was scared. Also, I don't own binoculars. There's so much I can say, but I'm just going to move on. I'm going to move on, and (laughs) I'm going to move on because I just took a sip of some scotch, because there's nothing (laughs) like pre-drinking before you actually record. Sometimes it's the only way to get through a podcast, partner. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> well, we were supposed to record last night, but we didn't. Just so that we rec- could record on my birthday. It was, yeah. Because that that's always a good choice. So It was my special birthday present to you. Is In my mind, work. I was thinking, this is perfect. I'm actually going to be recording before my birthday, so it's not on my birthday. I got my birthday night off. But no, no, not the case. Yeah, things fell apart. Yeah. The good news is, is that I'm going to show you something. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Because of my birthday presents I got from my family and my sister-in-law, I no longer will have a totally awesome Hulk that only has one leg and no arms. Yeah, that a, a Banff, that a Build-A-Figure? Yes. Yeah. And, and the to- this totally awesome Hulk <laughs> has been missing parts, so that is fixed now. Hey, yeah, the parts are where? It does mean that I do now own a Marvel Boy Karkov, but, you know... <laughs> This can be put in a box. You need arms and leg. I needed to fill. I need to finish the totally awesome Hulk. That that that's what we're saying here. That's that's what's Which going on. Which is pretty on. great. Yeah. The other cool thing about today, or actually yesterday, the the really awesome thing, and the thing that we are celebrating the most—not my birthday, because who cares? That's just another year past. But when we are recording this right now, Power Pack Into the Storm came out. Ooh, okay. Yes, this is the June Brigman, Louise Simonson miniseries that we've been waiting, I think, a year and a half or something for. It finally has come out. At least a year and a half. I know that it was, uh, they're in the old production woes, followed by Marvel, them going, hey, we're ready. And Marvel going, hey, how about we wait for the, what, 40th anniversary? Yeah. 35th, something yeah, like that? That's fine. That's fine. But yep. the good news is, is that it is out. It is in your stores. You go to your local comic book store. You put down your hard-earned money. You pick that up and you revel in the old-time stories mm-hmm. that June Brigman and Louise Simonson can bring us. I mean, that's what I did. I went down to my local comic book store. They know I like me my power pack. They are going to put one in my box. Nice. If, if their Marvel shipment had come in, which oh. it had not. Merry birthday, miss. Yeah. <laughs> but, but the 
comic book guy behind the counter did give me a birthday hug. So. Oh, that's good. That's just as good as getting I your... Said, uh, come here, give me a birthday hug. And he did. And I was like, yeah. I really appreciate that, but also I'm kind of surprised you did. <laughs> <laughs> and then I was like, wait, the way that we, him and I joke around the store when I go in there and talk to him, that ah, doesn't surprise me too much. Yeah. So shout out to my hero, Things From Another World. That's awesome. That's really cool. That's great. Sorry that you didn't get your most recent Power Pack comic. I know yeah. that I'll have to get that in a pretty speedy fashion within the next multiple number of years for when we're actually going to chronologically get to it. Well, I mean, yeah, it should show up in your hands pretty darn soon, but oh, yeah. you know, we'll get to it. We're getting through oh, this know, pretty quickly, know. you know? Yeah. You know, big down the line. We need to talk Wheezy in June again. Yeah, I probably should have reached out before this to do, do some pre-gaming with them and stuff, but yeah. I just did not get that done. So, yeah, I didn't either. I was like, wow, this would be a great thing for us to do. Crickets on both sides. <laughs> That's okay. We will reach out to them again. We will talk to them again, especially after we read the, the comic, too. So, Oh, yeah. Yeah, but I did pick up some comic books today and um, started going through a few of them. I'm a little behind on my reading, so a lot of them got shuffled to the end. But I did I did read G.I. Joe 303. Image Comics is doing a G.I. Joe run, Legacy Numbered. I missed the first two issues, but I heard they're really good. Now i got to find them. And uh, I also read the new 007 that's being written by Garth Ennis. And Man, that's going to be a different take on old Bond. I'm going to really say that. It really is. I don't know if I like it or not. It's not wrong, but it doesn't feel right. So I don't know. I'm interested to hear some other real big Bond fans, what their feelings on it is. I'm a little shaken, not stirred on this one. Checking up on the comic books and getting some of them read and waiting for other ones to come in and generally just running around town, going Mm -hmm. to bars today. That's what I was doing. Birthday bars. (laughs) bars. The birthday bar hop. Something like that. (laughs) I think we might have talked about the uh, McMinniman's passport experience before, but we won't go through it again. (laughs) Just repeat that thing from years past. It's the same stuff. Same stuff. How about you? How has your week been? I don't need to talk about the week, but I will talk about my one of several nerd things that I've done, which is since it's birthday time, it starts with a B. I finally got to see the Barbie movie. Mm, mm. Quite good. Enjoyed it. Really, really nice. Yeah, I thought it was a good movie, too. I thought that that was fun. Well done. I laughed at a lot of different parts about it. I did not think Will Ferrell needed to be in that movie. No, he didn't. I've heard people hypothesizing that he's playing Lord Business from the Lego movie. That's fine. Yeah, but he did. No, he did not need to be in there. He was fine. Yes, he was in it. He did a fine job. No, he did not need to be in it. Nope. Nope, 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 nope. No, I don't think so. I thought that that was the one kind of concrete shoe in the movie. Otherwise, I enjoyed it. I I thought it was quite fun, quite interesting. I did see it the day after I watched Oppenheimer because I know I needed to do the Barbenheimer Yeah, you got to do the Barbenheimer. Yeah. 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 Me and Hillary both were, as soon as we saw that there was going to be a Barbie movie coming out, we were both like, yeah, we're interested. We're totally down for this. <laughs> and then seeing trailers and stuff for it or like little sneaks and I was like, yeah, yeah, we're down for this. This is we want. We want this. This is the thing that we will enjoy. Yeah, and so we finally got to see it. So yeah. <laughs> enjoyed it. It's great. Well, I, I'm glad that you finally watched that. I am glad that you finally experienced some of the phenomena that's been affecting most people. You know, in the past year or so. so yeah. I, I'm proud of you. I am proud of you, sir. 
<laughs> I'm timely in my year plus offness. Speaking of timely, can you give us a two cents replay from a comic book that came out about 12 years ago? Vanessa and Stryker get tapped by Giant Man to go on a field trip with him to Death Valley to check out one of his old labs because an alarm was triggered. When they get there, they have to be told to non-lethally take out some guards, fight some robot old-school West Coast Avengers, and then take on the mastermind behind this lab invasion, the forgotten about by me, Alchema. Now that the, it turns out that this field trip was actually a secret test that Stryker passed and Finesse failed, two sentence replay is over, why don't you give me a beer and tell us what our power pack pick is? Okay, dude. Are you ready, dude? <laughs> Let's, par- Let's party, dude. Let's party, dude. Why don't you reach in there and tell me what kind of nice beverage you find in that paper bag? I'm grabbing the right bag with the right beer, and it is Pacific Cooler. It's a dipper. Aslan Urban Family. It is a a silver can with a nice little, uh, speaking of Barbie, it's got like a nice fake wave, fake mountains, fake uh, sun in the background, and uh, what really looks like an orca. Uh, It's definitely a fake dolphin because that really looks like an orca. Jumping through the very fake looking waves. So, (laughs) I'll admit, I just checked the price. It is not the price of our last beer that we had. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) Pacific Cooler. Why would we be doing a Pacific Cooler? Because they're on the Pacific Coast, and the Runaways are cooler than the Avengers Academy kids? Yeah, definitely cooler. They're being held down by the man. You know what I'm saying? That's right. Only cool people make terrible choices constantly and consistently. Hey, I found a couple of of different beers that we're talking about the Pacific Ocean, and I was like, you know, we got a couple of... We're on the Pacific Coast. We're in California. Pacific Cooler, it just it felt like this kind of fit a bit. It's it's more it of a totally works. it's more of an atmosphere than a theme to the book. But you know what? That's perfectly fine. Yep. No, I agree. I'm all for it. I'm here with what you're selling. So fine choice. Pacific Cooler by Oslan and Urban Family Brewing. In the days of summer haze comes a nostalgic throwback of label for us daydreaming of playing in the sprinklers orange slices at a soccer game, and blow up floaties at the pool. Our homies at Urban Family are on the same page as us when it comes to the colorful and fun spirit. They nail it. Pacific Cooler has notes of melon on the nose, fruit punch, not from concentrate, and guava on the palate with a juicy medium body. 8.2% ABV, 35 IBU, fruit punch plus melon plus bold. Okay, so is this a double IPA? Is that why mm-hmm. it's a dipper? Okay. It smells like a citra IPA is what it really smells like. You say the melon and stuff, and I'm like, yeah, I guess I can kind of. It's sort of, it's it's smelling like a fruited IPA. Yeah. And it has a, oh, it's, it looks like a hazy. It's got a yeah. lovely standard IPA color to it, nice and bubbly. I did a terrible pour on it, yet the head is very manageable. It went away very fast. And flavor-wise. It's smooth. Yeah, it's not bad. It doesn't crunch up the face. No. Here's the thing. Like I've heard before, when you start talking double or triple or quadruple IPAs, they really kick up the hops or they kick up the other flavors in there to try to cover up the IPA. And it actually reduces the hops, even though there's more that are in there. So there is a hop flavor. It it, is subtle. It is very, yeah, it is. It's weird because I'm almost kind of getting like, oh, I'm drinking a glass of water vibe with some hops kind of a thing. But no, it's, it's much smoother. It's, it doesn't bite. The fruit, the melon, yes, definitely getting yep. that. The guava, definitely getting that. Yeah, definitely getting guava. Everything uh, and, that's and, everything that's on the can is is in the taste on this one. Yeah, it's it's kind of a like a watermelon rind kind of flavor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's not bad at all. It's okay. Yeah, not much else to say about it. I think it's just it it is. It is what it is. It's not bad. It is a beer 
That's cool. That's refreshing. Much like those kids on the Pacific Coast. <laughs> let's go ahead and get into the opening credits and let's start talking about this issue of Avengers Academy. Avengers Academy, issue number 27, May 2012. Homecoming, part one. Credits, writer, Christos Engage. Penciler, Carl Maline. Inker, Jim Fern. Colorist, Chris Sotomayor. Letterer, Joe Caramonga. Editor, Bill Roseman. Featuring Giant Man, Tigra, Reptile, Striker, Metal, Hazmat, White Tiger, Finesse, Lightspeed, Justin Seafort, and also some other people you may remember. Nico Minori, Chase Stein, Victor Mancha, Molly Hayes, Carolina Dean, Clara Prost. Yay! You're not doing old lace? Because it's a spoiler, it's a surprise. It has been pretty crazy around the Academy, what with time-displaced consciousnesses, the robotic dead rising, and an issue-long TED Talks. And the return of a deep villain cut from the ROM comics. Yeah, hybrid. Eh, that was a thing. Anyway, some of the really important character developments have been left simmering on the back burner. Well, now is the time to check in with how people are doing and to make sure that back burner is not burning the pan. Nobody wants that. But let's start by checking on the reason why we are even here. Because we present as egotistical white guys who want to tell everyone their opinions on comic books in what we find to be a humorous way, but who are actually just trying to justify their existence in a cold, cold world? No, I was going to say Julie from Power Pack, but now I'm even more depressed than I was before. Well, don't be, birthday boy. We're going to talk about Julie and what is worrying her. She's chatting with Humberto, who is now totally himself, and she's worried about Brandon. She has confided to Humberto that Brandon is gay, admitting that she probably should not have, but she really does not know that guy that well. And she does not know if she should ask him to go to the Pride March with her. This is the fundamental difference between what Julie knows and the reality of Brandon. She believes that people need time to adjust to their new normal, to come to acceptance about who and what they are, and that the process is quiet, internalized, and filled with self-reflection. Berto is trying to explain that private and slow are not words a striker ever chose to learn. And to demonstrate that, the pair walk into a press conference Brandon has called to announce that he is gay. Followed up by a call to his mom to get the PR train rolling. Choo-choo! Julie is confused and confronts Eagle Boy on why he would want to publicize something so private, even before he goes on a date. Why court men who want to date him just for the publicity? Brandon wonders why you wouldn't want to do that. As Julie walks off totally exasperated, Reptile welcomes her to the team. Hope she survives the experience. As the press conference wraps up, we see another group that we have talked about in the past. The Runaways. Huzzah! Huzzah! Yeah, they are sneaking around the perimeter trying to figure out how to break into the compound. They need something inside, and it's important. Really? It just sounds like Molly only needs to use the restroom. But I guess she could find a tree if she had to. Speaking of which... We should mention the one new character in their group, Clara Prast. She's a mutant who the Runaways discovered when they were in the past. Originally from the 1900s, she was a child bride the other characters rescued from an abusive husband. She can speak to and control plants. One, her experiences are horrific. And two, those are some cool powers. Correct him undo on both counts. But we should focus on the kids saying, sneak, sneak, as they walk around the heavily fortified and secured premises. They may think that they can get in, but they did not expect a sentinel to be part of the student body. Nobody expects a sentinel, especially when it is key to detect Ultron-based technology like Victor Mancha. Now the fight's on. As a team recognizes the threat as something that kills people like Molly, Justin Sentinel starts to sing the thong song. I'm sorry, I meant to say the alarm song, which brings Tigra and Metal to the scene. 
Metal, who does have a caring heart, sees Molly and attempts to remove the small child from the battle, which causes Molly to scream and punch the Crimson Skid student through a wall. You made me pee in my pants! More bad choices are made as Justin points out that Victor is a robot with Ultron parts to strike her. As we know from last episode, Brandon likes to electrocute robots, but Victor is something mm, different, and he just eats the electrical strike like a salad. Like a... like a salad? What does that even mean, Rick? He dresses it with additional flavors and consumes it with an eye to his health and balance of fiber. Oh... Okay. With the supercharge, Victor starts to control the Sentinel, but Giant Man and Julie put a stop to everything. That's right. Julie knows the Runaways, having had an interaction with them not long ago. Hank wants to know what all the hubbub about Ultron Tech is. This is one of those awkward moments when Dr. Pym finds out about an unknown grandson as he is the creation of Ultron. Don't you just hate it when your evil offspring does not tell you that they had other offspring, evil or otherwise? After some more Awkward introductions are made, the crux of the situation starts to take shape. First, Hank and Greer are horrified that these kids are on their own, something the Runaways will not discuss since it is not the issue. The issue is that they are missing a dinosaur. Okay, uh, wait, hold on. Say what now? Old Lace, the genetically engineered dino that Gert had, was gifted to Chase. The psychic link they have is still active, and even though the team thought the dino died in an explosion, Chase can feel she is alive. Alive, I tell you. Nico had sent Old Lace's body to another dimension, and because of the limits on her magic, she cannot put that rabbit back into the hat. But she knows that there is another way to that dimension, and it is through the amulet that Reptile has. Wow. Huh. Sure. Infinite worlds and possibilities and stuff. Plus, Victor knew Hank had done research on how to dimensional travel. Doing detailed research on Dr. Pym is kind of a hobby for Victor. Since he was programmed to do it to find a way to terminate the good doctor after his inevitable heel turn, eh, sorry. As awkward as that exchange is, nothing beats this next idea. Hank has some work to do figuring out if this is possible, and in the meantime, the two groups of youngsters should hang out and socialize and get to know one another and find their common grounds. Not gonna happen. They all are in one room, but there is a definite line in that sand. The runaways are really antsy. This is just not their jam, man. And they feel like this is just one giant big trap. The only one who really wants to see it through is Chase. But then, the Avengers pull a nasty trick. They play the baby card. And not just any baby card, but one with a kitten modifier. Tyra walks in to show Molly and Clara her son, who is like less than a year old and who is a tiny baby cat child. As cute as that is, we need to address this amazing reaction from Clara as Tiger walks in. In her words, <coughs> I'm not permitted to speak to prostitutes. Carolina does some hasty explaining that Clara is from last century, but Chase doubles down and questions Tigra's wardrobe as a teacher. Tigra responds that they should try walking around California in a heavy fur coat and clothes sometime, if you know what I mean. Needless to say, the introduction of the kitten child is enough to thaw the youngsters' hearts. But there are loads of angsty teens in the room who don't fall to pieces over cuteness. Some, like Victor, are doing a little hero-worshipping to White Tiger, and some, like our girl Julia, are interested in the conversation between Brandon and Carolina. Carolina caught Stryker's news conference earlier and wants to let the brash and impulsive youth know that He's very brave. He confirms that he is a total inspiration for confused youth. Now, now, Caroline is not confused. She used to be. But after getting engaged, going to space, and then breaking up, probably in space, she knows exactly who she is and what she wants. And uh, she's single. Julie is interested? 
single you say? And of course, this interchange is being observed by Metal and Chase, who are responding just how you think young men would respond to a situation just like that. Hazmat walks by them, stepping over their tongues, and joins Nico to be disappointed and disapproving. Then their insults start, which we'll just leave for a rubber and glue section, if you know what I mean. After the words flew and daggers were stared, their respect was shown, and they shake hands. Game respects game. So, what are the adults talking about? Can they, as responsible superheroes who have steamer trunks full of bad choices, allow these barely out of teenage years kids to protect two young girls like Molly and Clara? But, and they know this, these runaways have been targeted for safe housing and they have lived up to their team name multiple times and constantly did the runaway. So... Forcing them to stay is not a good plan. They need to woo them. Show them that this is a safe place with many amenable amenities. Like the fact that they have... <laughs> hot pockets. And if that plan doesn't work, they'll just kidnap the two youngest kids against their will. What can go wrong? Sounds like a plan. A really bad and really stupid plan that will obviously fail. But let's see when, not if, this apple falls from the tree. Well, after Reptile turns into a dino to show off, which then freaks out Clara, who feels responsible for Old Lace's loss, Chase gets into Hank's face and tells him to put up or shut up. Okay, it's magical science time. Let's get Reptile's shirt off and zap him with some electricity. I'm sorry, what exactly is happening here? Because remember, family-friendly show! Oh, don't worry about it. It is perfectly legal what is happening here. And also, surprisingly enough, family-friendly. The electricity is from Nico, who's trying to unlock Reptile's heart, or amulet, or whatever he has in his chest, by focusing her mana and her thoughts into the magic of the... Uh, uh, you know what? Magic and science is just happening now, okay? Bazoush. And we have Jurassic Park. Hit that John Williams score. It's a dinosaur, yes, a veggie sore, not a metasaur right here. That's... that's not the music cue that I meant. Hank starts to assemble the group going to find Old Lace and tries his best to get Molly and Clara to stay back. Oh, that is a big H-E-double-C-1-K no. In fact, Molly wants to punch Giant Man again. So into the jungle they go a-trompin' and nearly immediately find Old Lace. A boy and his dino reunited. It is a tale as old as time. Beauty and the Beast. Old Lace is healed. And she's made some new friends. Like Devil Dinosaur and Moon Boy. And they also... Wait, what? Who? While everyone is decently distracted by the duo of dinos, Nico does some mystic mono-mumbo magic and finds out that the dolts are hoodwinking them and planning on stealing their wee ones. Hold on, Rick. Uh, let's just go back. Did you say Devil Dinosaur and Moon Boy? Okay, it is time to fight some Avengers. And it's time to talk about the cover credits. And we're not going to talk about Devil Dinosaur and Moon Boy. This is not an issue of the Fallen Angels. That's a callback machine right there. It's like all the way back there. Anyway. That's, that's a, okay. It's it's so callback, I don't know what you're talking about. You never read the Fallen Angels? <gasps> it Does it have Moon Boy in it? Yes, it does. It's got Devil Dinosaur. It's got Moon Boy. It's got Boom Boom. It's got Sunspot. It's got Warlock. It's got the Vanisher. Uh, question. Who are those names? You know, Sunspot and Warlock. You remember that one issue of Power Pack where Sunspot and Warlock <laughs> were coming back? They were coming back from the Fallen Angels miniseries. We can tie it into this show. Oh, and Power Pack is... So, this cover credits here <laughs> is pretty darn cool. It was done by David LaFuente and Christina Strain. And this cover is just 
anime-esque. It is frantic. It is high action, high everything. It's a lot. Yeah, it's pretty ridiculous. And I like it. I. It's not traditional. It's definitely right out of manga. It's very messy. And yeah, it does have kind of uh, anime overtones going for it. Yeah. It's also nice because it is the pairing of people. Yeah. On the top, on the left is... Julie Power with her rainbow streak. And on the right is Carolina with her her alien rainbow aura powers. And then in the center, on the left, is Stryker with his lightning powers. And on the right is Victor Mancha with his electrical-based robot hybrid powers. And at the bottom is Metal with his tough guy stuff getting punched by tough guy Princess Power. It's very cool, very action-packed, and it's fun. I like it. It's It says <laughs> War with the Runaways Part 1 of 2. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, it's a incredibly busy cover because you got that on the side. You've got the top. We've got a banner saying it's coming one month until A versus X, which for those that remember A versus X, that was a miniseries fight that was stupid that didn't need to exist at all and only angered me. The best thing that came out of that was the death of Professor X. That was a pretty cool moment. But other than that, yeah. So, yeah, this cover is... It's cool. It's it's different art style than what we've got on the inside, but I think it's fun. It definitely is something that makes you stop, grab the cover, and look at it. It really definitely belongs more on a manga than on, on this run of Avengers Academy. So I like this. I just don't know if it fits. That's my only problem with this. I really like the cover. I just don't know if it fits with all the other covers we've seen. No, it does not. It does not at all. This is like guest artists came in and knocked something out of the park, and they were like, ah, we can't not use this. Yeah. It, it's but too it good. Is. It's too good not to use. But this is not mm -hmm. us. That, that's okay. Yeah, it sh it it really should not be the A cover. Yeah. It should be a, a variant or a B cover or something like that. But it, it's it is fantastic. It is great. Yes. It it is still probably would be better than the A cover that they come up with. Oh, I'm sure. It, yeah. So let's get into the book itself. Here we've got the Return of the Runaways, which is great. We had some time with this team before. We've been able to talk about them before. The only new character that we have is Carla. And the only new character we have is Clara, who was found one of the adventures they went on. They went back to the 1900s for a reason. And while they were there, they ran into Clara, who was child bride, 13 years old. She had this mutant power. She didn't know what to do. She had an abusive husband. And they're like, well, you know what? You're coming with us. So they take her out of the 1900s <laughs> as a kid. Somebody who's already scared. She's got these powers. Yeah. She is fish out of water. And she is thrown into L.A. in mm -hmm. the 2000s. <laughs> Are you kidding yeah. me? Yeah. <laughs> and being guided by the most stable group of teenagers ever. Yeah, this is just... Yeah. It's like... The oldest one is Chase, and I think he's 18. Yeah, it, and yeah. he's probably the youngest mentally. So the joke that I always had was, I want to teach my daughter how to be wrong in society by teaching her things mm -hmm. incorrectly. And it's like, these guys are doing this now. They get the opportunity. Yeah. We can mm -hmm. just break this girl. <laughs> yeah, we can raise her so wrong. It's the feral leading the feral. It's just going to be. The interaction that they've got with Tiger, I think, is is it's wrong. And yet it's kind of fascinating. <laughs> yeah. She is just stunned by everything she's seeing. And then here's this cat lady coming in in a bikini. 
<laughs> I wouldn't be sure how coming from where she came from and seeing that, I don't know how I would respond to. This is not in my wheelhouse. This does not fit in mm-hmm. any kind of structure I have. So what is she? She's a prostitute. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Just, well, think it, she's thinking of the era and where there were people that weren't in the multiple layers and the petticoats and the woolens and the everything would be the, the people in their undergarments, which are by all equivalences of now's fashion would be heavy clothes now. Yeah. Would just be like, oh, how scandalous back in the day. I also think, though, that it's a little much because she's been with them for a while now. And she's seen how they dress, how they interact and everything like that. Yes, this is probably shocking to her, but she's seeing her friends talk to this person. Mm -hmm. And I don't think that that's going to be the straight answer that she would give. I think that she would still see this person as an adult. And even though... The runaways are kind of telling her that all adults are bad. There would still, yeah. still be a level of respect. Plus, it's also, it's a cat lady. I would leave everything yeah. out the, else out the side. This is a lady yeah. who looks like a cat. Honestly, how are you getting beyond that into what she yeah, is exactly. wearing? I would yeah. be stuck at the cat person in front of me first. To pull the joke yeah. is what it really was boiled down to. It was like, why did that happen? Uh, because the writer wrote it that way. Gage had a had a joke he wanted to tell, and he t- played it, and it was it was good. It was good. I, I, it I, may not be appropriate. I don't know. I don't know much enough about Clara to know what she would be like. I'm going to assume that she will perpetually be the kind of like, oh well, my goodness, and I'd never kind of character. I do but, like the response though because it does answer a question. Why does she dress like this? Because she is a cat. <laughs> yeah. Her description, I believe, was, why don't you wear clothes on top of a heavy coat sometime in California? A heavy fur coat in California. About that. Yeah, it's like, yeah, no, no, thank you. No, thank you. <laughs> All right. My favorite part of this probably is the interactions between the two teams. We can mm-hmm. have the fights. We can have the sciencey science. We can have the mm-hmm. the question of the, the age old question of the runaways. Is it really safe for them to be out there on the streets? But no, what we're here for is we're here to see angsty group of teens meet an angsty group of teens. Oil, water, oil, water. What happens? Mm-hmm. On paper, all these kids at some level should get along. All kids everywhere oh, should yeah. get along. But yeah. they, they are going to be all their angstiness and all the fighting they may do against the situations and where they are at, they are both in gangs. And that's what it comes mm-hmm. down to. You are in a school. You are with a group of people. It is us versus them. You are in gangs. So mm-hmm. you get these kids together. and It's like, oh, these kids should get along. Great. No, they shouldn't because they are part of different gangs or part of different worlds. Yes. When it comes down to it, Chase and Metal, they're two bros that would hang out with each other any oh, day yeah. of the week. But... Until you get past that first layer, no, this is my family. This is my family. I'm not going mm-hmm. to talk to the other one. Yeah. Metal and Chase, honestly, were the easiest fit because it was just kind of like two two beefy guys just kind of like you know, sitting on a couch. Yeah. It's like they didn't have anything to prove to each other. No. I like the aspect that where like Nico's like, this is a trap. We should get out of here. And Chase is just like. You can all go. I didn't want any of you to come here in the first place. I'm here to try and get Old Lace back. This isn't your responsibility. Go. Yeah. You know, and they're like, well, no, we love Old Lace too and stuff. But I I just like, he's there for a reason, even though he's doing it terribly. Ken doesn't care. No. Ken's just like, hey, hey, guy on couch. I'm a guy on couch too. Yeah. We can sit here and watch TV. <laughs> Real easy. Of course, Nico and Hazmat. Yeah. <laughs> this could go badly. This could go so badly. And it almost does until they both like. Yeah. You know what? We both are angsty Asian teens. Yeah. Mm, mm-hmm. 
<laughs> yeah, the outward appearance doesn't matter. It is the what what is at our core yeah. is that we are we are bitter, bitter, bitter kids. So <laughs> it's like I hate that too. We hate so much together. It's amazing. <laughs> we have so much in common with what we don't like. Victor trying to reach out to White Tiger, which that fails. I mean, for she's like, <laughs> You are my hero. Not again. I don't want to hear this. She's tired of it. She's she's absolutely tired of it too. No, it, it was less, you're my hero. It was more like, do you have any relation to the previous white tiger? Da, 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 and he's like, that was my brother. And it's just like, yeah, that's what she's, that's what, and that's what she's tired of. She's no. Yeah. She's tired of, tired of the comparison. But yeah, when she got introduced in this, she was just like Hispanic empowerment. You need to be doing stuff for your community. You need to be putting your name out there to yep. show that Latinos can be heroes and not stereotypical and, blah, 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 and all these things. And she was that way. And now she's getting what she would have wanted several a couple of issues ago. Somebody who's just like, White Tiger inspired me. I want to be part of the Latino community. I had his poster on the wall and everything. And she doesn't like that. But what I really like is Bert, though, Reptile, in the background. He's like, okay, great. That's great for you. Fine. I'm Mexican and I had Captain America posters on my wall. Who cares? You know? <laughs> I love the fact that... Humberto doesn't want to be part. Yeah, I'm a I'm a proud Hispanic. I'm a proud member of the community, mm. and I'm, I'm a proud hero. But I don't have to define myself as a proud Hispanic hero. He's yeah. just like I can I can be multiple things, and they don't have to affect each right, other. Right. But the one thing that we really really like, and we just have been waiting for, is Julian Carolina. That's the thing on that. I I know that they got get into and out of a relationship, but I the the sheer meat and potatoes of that I know nothing about. Now you're so, seeing it. Yeah, now I'm seeing the formation of it. Yep. Tale as old as time. Yeah, we saw this at the beginning in the loners when we had the crossover with the runaways, and just oh, you know, the, there was a meat cute that happened there, and now oh, well, you were seeing somebody. Well, I'm single now. Oh. You're single. <laughs> and you're I, not confused. Mm -hmm. I did like the aspect with that with Julie was like, oh, you're single. Okay. Well, I kind of felt like there may have been something when we met last time, but then I never heard from you. And she's like, ah, we had this. We went to space for a while. It was this whole thing. <laughs> and if anybody can understand that, it's Julie. <laughs> yeah. Oh, a space thing. Oh, a space thing. Yeah, I got been that. Been there, done that. Not a problem. Yeah. Yeah. So I like it. I do like this. I like how... They get, a, they, we have the oil and water. This is the kind of stuff that we want to see in this book. You know, we want to see the antics of the teenage superheroes. And this is part of it. What happens when one of the groups of teen superheroes comes to visit? Guess who's coming mm -hmm. to dinner? That's what we've got. Yep. Of course, the big thing, like it always is with runaway issues, is, okay, we want to protect the runaways because we're the adults and we think that this is the best thing we can do. Mm -hmm. We have to protect the kids. The runaways always seem to be like, yeah, they're making it work, but man, they make it in the worst way possible. They make it work just with the worst choices and everything, but they're very, they're very self-assured in what they're doing and it is working, but I don't know if it is really functional working. Yeah. But they don't want to lose that. They don't want to lose their independence they just for their, their background and history and everything. They know who they can trust and it isn't outside of those four walls. Yeah, I would agree with that. It does seem to be the the main talk of all the books that they are in. It's got to come up in this book, and it's I, I'm glad that it's the second half of this that that's going to take place. That this one was mostly focused on finding the dino, the fetch quest mm -hmm. of going to the place where the dino was, and the fact that Umberto's amulet touches a world of dinosaurs. Okay, <laughs> no, oh, it's fine. That's where lace was. Old lace was sent. Okay, great. 
They don't know if it's a dimension, a planet, a timeline. They don't know anything. And here's my problem with this is a me limitation. I don't know much about Devil Dinosaur and Moon Boy. I don't know if they're from the Savage Land or the past or alien planet or anything. So I'm kind of like, oh, uh, Moon Boy and Devil Boy, Devil Dinosaur there. That that doesn't help narrow anything down. Those two exist at whatever dinosaur planet world dimension needs to exist for the storyline. Okay. They just come, they come with the plot. Yes. They're plot convenient. And you know what? That's all okay, man. Because it lets us not have to worry about learning another dinosaur and another caveman. <laughs> Which and, is pretty great. And the day that those two can actually learn how to record their memoirs, brother. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, that the great thing, the greatest thing about them being uh, in that kind of savage enough kind of thing is the fact that. Yeah, they could be time and dimension and location and planet hopping and everything. And I don't think it's going to phase them too much because it's still just dino jungle. Yeah. Wherever they are. Do, whatever they're doing, they're just like, it, it, yeah, we just survive. We just exist here and survive. We do pretty good. Yeah. You know what else survives and does pretty good? What? The art in this book. Mm. Let's talk about the gallery of greatness. What pieces of art in this book need to be pinned to our new jungle walls? Yeah, we'll just staple it right to a tree. I'm sure that's okay. We'll throw a KSR knife at it. Let's talk about some of the things we've got here. My backup joke one, it's on page 13, and I call it baby time. It's where Tiger uh, comes in the room, and, and she's got the baby, and the two young girls are like, oh. And <laughs> it just, it is so, it's, it's, it's so cheap. It's so cheap. Yeah. Oh, it is, yeah. <laughs> it's so cheap. But I love it. I love it. So baby time. Baby time. <laughs> I like baby time. Mine is a four-fifth splash page on page 21 of Marvel Unlimited. And I call it Danger Hug. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And this is after they uh, find Old Lace. And Old Lace has jumped out of the jungle and tackled Chase. And everybody's gathered around and hugging. Oh, I can't remember exactly what it is. It's not a not a Velociraptor, but a bigger version of Velociraptor, Dino. Cassilius or something like that. I cannot. I even recently relearned this name and I forgot it already. Yeah, but it's just teeth and claws Kim all over the place. And it's, but it's just, oh, it's all happy hug because uh, Old Lace is smart enough to not just accidentally disembowel her friends perpetually. <laughs> so you say that now, but really? Really? Well, I'm sure it happens some. All right. No, that's a very good choice. That was on my list too. I was thinking about it, but I did not quite get that one. Mm-hmm. My. Top joke one is what I call dagger time. And it's the yeah. look. It's the yeah. look that Hazmat and Nico give each other. And yeah. it is, I love how it was done. It was these wavy lines in the air that was between their eyes. And it's just perfect. Absolutely perfect. Yeah. It would have been cheesy if they actually used daggers. But mm-hmm. just that little bit of heat, it's like a heat. Yeah, it's shooting sparks at each other. Not even shooting sparks. It's just, oh yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah, it is the heat it, wave. It's just look. the yeah, heat wave. Right. It, it's just yeah, double ah, heat wave. Ah, perfect, absolutely. Because <laughs> you also could have done the thing where like they're it's chill, it's icy. No, these two are they're not icy. They are on fire. They're hot. <laughs> they're yep. hot. So dagger time. <laughs> I like it. What's your top joke one? My top joke one is on page 22, and I call it, uh, does anyone want to talk about the Dino Monkey duo? 
<laughs> it's the half splash page of the group talking and Devil Dinosaur and Moon Boy being in the background, hunched over some trees going, ah! So. Yeah. And, and nobody's even addressing it. Let's talk about the dino in the room with yeah. Devil Dinosaur and Moon Boy. Ah! What's going on? <laughs> exactly. Yeah, it, it just, uh, it cracks me up because it is just a giant lumbering dinosaur uh, with the monkey man on its back just looming over them, you know, teeth gaping. And they're like, yeah, hey, yeah, okay, you know, we gotta pay attention. Oh, look. Here, here's one thing I can tell you is that uh, they could redo that scene later on. Just go to, down to La Brea and find the dinosaur in the tar pits. Too soon? Oh, too soon? Too, too soon. soon. Okay. Too soon. Let's talk about some good art here. I'm going to go <laughs> my backup one. I'm calling Giant Time. That's my top. That's your top? I Yeah, I call it Hang On There, Little Fella. Yeah, it's where Giant Man's come in here and he's holding on to the hand of the Sentinel and you got Julie Fly in the background and everybody else is down below. And it is a pretty darn good picture. Oh, it's great. It's fantastic. Like I said, it's my top. Yeah. 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 My giant time. Giant time. Good one. Hang on there, little fella. Because this is after the Sentinel has been taken over by Victor Mancha and is going to attack yeah. you know, his former friends. And uh, Hank just grabs it by the hand. Is like, no, 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 no. We don't touch. Yeah, my backup is on page six. And hey, is that the same Sentinel just two pages prior to that? And yep, it is. And I call it Ultron-based technology detected. That's a sweet title that just rolls off the tongue. Oh, it totally is. Well, it, it's what Sentinel says. Because he's scanning the group and he says, Ultron-based technology detected. So, yeah, it, it's just cool. Cause with the, with it is, the giant uh, light coming down out of his chest. Yep. Yep. Big old chest spotlight highlighting the kids that have broken into the place to steal help instead of just going, um, excuse me, could you please help us? These are Marvel superheroes. They don't ask. They kick yeah. in walls. Come on, yeah, they man. they do the dumbest thing possible. My top one. Hit the John Williams score. It is Jurassic time, baby. Oh, uh, yeah. Yep, yep, yep. That was originally one of my... It was on my short list. It, I like that one a lot. Yeah. Uh, Hank has shot a laser, or he has shot science at the wall. Not only science, magic-y science at the wall, and a... Magic-powered science. Portal to just this lush forest with brontosaurus neck snaking out of it pops open. Pretty darn sweet. Pretty darn sweet. Mm-hmm. All right. Jeff, you smelly, Rick. smelly, tall, hairy dude. Hey, that's only majorly right. <laughs> I'm going to go ahead and talk about Barbara and Glue moment. And I need to ask you, do you have anything else besides the entire confrontation between Nico and Hazmat? Because if you do, act- I'll let you go ahead and get that out of the way now. Because my, my best and second best and all the best Rubber and Glue moments are in there. I didn't pull from there. Okay. I didn't. So my backup is on page 12, and this is Nico and Chase talking. Mm-hmm. Nico's all, she's right. They're keeping us here while they call the super truant officers. It's a trap. And Chase's response to that is, so leave Admiral Akbar. I'm staying. Mm-hmm. Any of the rest of you who want to go be my guest. I just love, Admiral so Akbar. leave Admiral Akbar. Yep. Uh, it made me happy. It's a trap. I like that it's a, a trap. It's a trap. What's it's your other trap. one? It is on page 13, and it's between Clara, Carolina, and Chase, which is uh, it'd be uh, surprising if we hadn't talked about it before, because we totally did. I'm not permitted to speak to <laughs> prostitutes. Oh, sorry, Clara's from 100 years ago. Chase's, yeah, she doesn't realize in the 21st century it's totally appropriate for a teacher to walk around practically naked. So, <laughs> so Jeff, I'd like you to go ahead and flip to the page with... Nico and Hazmat, and I'll go ahead and give you Hazmat, and I will be Nico. All right? Okay, you got it. 
You've got to be kidding. Chase is laser-focused on some irrational, obsessive dream quest, but a hint of a little girl-on-girl action, and suddenly he's Charlie Sheen. I know. Men are pigs. By the way, we totally are trying to trap you. We need a gothic Lolita to fill our quota of teen stereotypes. Excuse me? Lolita fashion is a whole different subset. Oh, sorry. I'm a little behind on fashion trends from the Middle Ages. As if radioactivity and Asians are a bold new combination? I like you. You've got a brain. Name's Nico. Asmat. Code names? Seriously, we outgrew them ages ago. Don't make me do the world a favor and sterilize you. I mean, come on. <laughs> come <laughs> <And> on. Scene. <laughs> yeah. All of them. Yep. All of them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Parent of the Year Award. The Reed Richards Award for Good Parenting. I'm giving it to Tigra. <laughs> what? <laughs> I know. I agree because she was amazing. She was such a good parent in the Reed Richards way. Nope. Totally. The, wait, nope. no, wait. The the Reed yep. Richards way. Yeah. The Reed Richards way. Yeah. She's, yeah. Two things. Wants to take the kids away. Yeah. Bad. And two, she uses her baby as a prop. Yeah. Yeah. As a distractor. In a way, it is kind of cute and kind of nice. It's like, oh, let's make the little ones feel at ease. But it, it's cute and nice, but she's doing it exactly for the reason to woo them. She, she has done it for the reason that the runaways do not trust adults. Exactly. And especially when she's just like, yeah, this situation is not tenable. We can't do that. We have to make them stay here. We have to make them want to stay here. Yeah, but Hank is like, uh, we can't do that because they have a long history of running away from institutions. Mm-hmm. Okay, then we have to woo them. We have to get them to be here. Well, what if they don't want to? Well, then we have to steal away the children yeah. and put them in our cauldron you know, or put them in happy homes far away from where the others will never see them. We have to put them in the gingerbread house. That's what we need to do. Yeah, basically. And, we're gonna, yeah. and how are we going to do it? We're going to use my child as bait. Yeah. So, yes, Tigra. Yeah, terrible. Bad parent. Bad parent. All right, let's yep. talk about the most popular in the shunned. Who do we think is the best? Who do we think is the worst in this book? Jeff, 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 who do you think? is the worst. I really wanted to go for Tiger, but I'm not going to pull that tail again. I am going to go for a perennial favorite, which is Chase. Almost went with Chase myself. Almost went with Mm -hmm. him, except, and you pointed out yourself, he is there for a reason. He is in Hank's face the entire time, which was just... He's there for a really good reason, but he's there in the most... But he's... The reason... Oh, okay. (laughs) How he's going about to get what he wants is the worst way possible. But yet it is also... But yet also, it is pure Chase. That is entirely yeah. Chase's M.O. So I'm also like, at the same time, he's the voice of reason for his team, but then he gets in mm-hmm. the adult's faces, which is what he does. There's a part in there where Hank comes back in the room and is like, hey, if you're in here not working on the thing, that either means that uh, you're done or you set us up. And if, if you're setting us up, we, we will fight our way out of here. Mm-hmm. And my response on that internally is like, you broke into my home. I didn't want you here in the first <laughs> place. Why would I trap you here? I'm helping you to make you go away. <laughs> With that said, my worst was Hank because I ended up thinking it was a two pair situation. I really thought that he should have been yeah. a more upfront about what the entire situation is. He should come out and said, OK, look, let's have a talk about this. We have questions. Let's talk it out. He always seems reasonable. He always wants to go for the good answer. And I think that he decided to listen to Tiger. He's like, okay, well, let's go ahead and we'll follow your plan and try to steal him away. So I just thought that he should have been more upfront. And I got him on that one. I can totally see where you're going on that because they do make it seem like that has happened. I am more than willing to bet that 
Nico Magic mm-hmm. saw just that part of the st- yeah. part of the conversation and didn't see the secondary part or an upcoming part where Hank. Would, I'm, I swear they're going to flash back to that time again, and Hank is going to be like, "No, we cannot do that. That is not right. That is wrong for everybody. That is exactly why they would not trust us. That is why it's like at this point in time, it looks like he's going going with them." I fully understand and agree. I don't know. I haven't read the next issue yet, but I, in my core, I believe that that will be the Three's Company reveal of like, oh, it was the misunderstanding fight. Let's talk about the best. My best is Victor Macha. Oh, same. Yeah. He was strong in the first flight. He reached out to White Tiger. He saw this as an opportunity. And the best thing is, is he's like, what's up, Grandpa? (laughs) He wasn't like challenging or adversarial about it or like shoving it in Hank's face. He was just kind of, he was like, oh, hey, uh, yeah, a funny story. I technically you're my granddad because you made Ultron and Ultron made me. Also, yeah, I think I'm fated to be a villain. I'm not, but I kind of am fated to be. Yeah. And I'm supposed to destroy you. Not not my want. Yeah. Uh, he was great. Yeah, I, I liked him. In this. I, I was going through the book and thinking, you know, everybody is themselves. Not good. Not bad. Mm-hmm. Chase, Hank, Tigra definitely were all in contention for the worst. But mm-hmm. I was like, nobody is really standing out. And then I like to Victor. I'm like, yeah, he is standing out. He is actually being... I think also up there probably would have been Julie. I think Julie also was the one going, hey, wait, hold on, wait. But mm-hmm. and even the beginning part where she's having the conversation with Reptile, I almost forgot about that because so much else happened in the book, too. That I've read this this issue several times, and that first two, three-page chunk is definitely the outlier of the story. It really is. It's like its own thing. But and it then still it's informs it later on when the conversation yes. with Carolina. So Yes. You know, it's all good. All right. Uh, nice that we both agreed on Chase. Let's go ahead and talk no, about... Victor. Oh, we both agreed on Victor. I apologize. Let's go ahead and get into the top grades. We want to evaluate each issue against the rest of the series. So looking at our list, we, of course, start with number one, the funeral and memorial of Johnny Storm and Fantastic Four, number 588, spot number 10, still Reed Carpools with Galactus and Sue Watches, Namor Commit Regicide, Fantastic Four at 585, Spot Number 30, Runaways Volume 2, Number 1. Hey, there we go. Runaways are told by Gert to beware of Victor, our best in this <laughs> issue. Mm-hmm-hmm. Spot Number 40, we have got Loners Number 6, Phil Leaves and Everybody Gets Mad at Everybody, and of course, Loners Number 3, Julie is in the Hospital. Jeff, 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 what do you think? Where are you feeling this one? It's not a bad issue. It's not a great issue. No. It is... Definitely not near the bottom, though. Because there's no. this is good. This is a solid issue. I think that we were a little down in the last couple in mm-hmm. this book. This is a return to form, I believe. Yep. So... It had some good stuff. I think the uh, Runaways just anger me perpetually is the is the issue that I'm having. So I think it's my own prejudices taking place. How, how, how could the Runaways anger you? They're such a delightful group of kids. <laughs> I don't, I've got enough traumas in my life. I don't need theirs dragging me down. <laughs> Do you have any I, thoughts on this? Let's there's see first day here. of school, um, Jocasta goes boom. The welcome students, there's founding of the... We're thinking teens or 20s. Spot number 25, Reptile tricks his friends into being lunch for hybrid. Yeah. I think it's better than that one. I could agree to that. Actually, I, I'm looking at loners. Yeah, we have spot number 23, the loners number one. 
I think that that's kind of in the same area here. We have okay. a really focused on kids being kids and mm-hmm. and interactions between the kids. So I think that that, do we like it better than that loner's issue or not? Because I think that it's going to go either above or below it. I'm trying to remember the issue. Maddie gets that Chris was, to come out, talk about the that, drug that was, hunters. Chris is Darkhawk, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, man, it's it's been a minute. I... I, I do recall that it was pretty good. It was pretty good. I like this one a little bit more because this is this has got some real good fun in it. I think this would be a good spot number 22. 22 or 23 because... Uh, spot number 23, I apologize. This would be a yeah. good spot number 23. Yeah, I, I'm good with that. I'm good with that because when you said 22, I'm like, well, hold on a minute. The beating of drums, I recall, being pretty decent. So, yeah, I think that beating of drums is, definitely, is better. Homecoming part one. So, yeah, it can be the new 23. I think that's a great spot. Sounds good to me. All right. Then let's talk a little bit about Pacific Cooler. It's it's nice and cool right until we head into the jungle. Then it gets hot and muggy. Mm-hmm. Luckily, we've got that citrus flavor going on it to keep us from getting the scurvy because apparently the jungle's filled with pirates. No, that is not how that works. I'm liking it. It's an enjoyable beverage. It's really good. Yeah, this the is... flavor profile hasn't changed. No. It's uh, smooth. It's easy to drink. It doesn't crunch up my face. I'm enjoying it. I was thinking I was going to save half the can for later, but I, just, I upended that and I'm drinking it right now and I'm, I'm going to finish this off pretty darn quick, honestly. It's a good four for me. Yeah, I, I'm enjoying it at the four. This is pleasant. Uh, this is the type of IPA that I would drink. It's Double IPA, tasty, does not give the sour face at all. So yeah, four for me as well. Good choice. Yep, good choice. It, it's it's refreshing. This would be a very good hot weather beer. Yeah. This would be a really good one for that. It is crisp. It is refreshing. It is easy. Yeah, I'm liking it. Yeah. And you know what else I like, Rick? What's that? Kids Perspective, which is where you talk to your 13-year-old daughter, Carrie, about the issue that we just covered. So, Rick and Carrie, take it away. Hello, Carrie. Hello, Daddy. How are you doing today? Good, and you? Good, good. Just going to talk about another comic book. You know, nothing big. Yep. We're talking about Avengers Academy number 27. And who's back? The Runaways. Yay! You like The Runaways, don't you? Yeah, I actually uh, stole the series from you. Yeah, you read most of it, I think. Yeah, most of the stuff. Mm Mm-hmm. Did you read enough to see the introduction of Carla? Yeah, I saw the introduction of her at, like, the end. So you at least knew who she was then? Mm-hmm. All right, neat. Kind of forgot a little bit over time, but I'm kind of, like, the more I read it, like, the more I remember, so. What did you think about this comic book? It was interesting seeing the Runaways and Julie Power interact again. Mm-hmm. Flirting again. Flirting again? They were flirting, weren't they? Yeah. Yeah. It's fine. Let them have their moment. <laughs> Do you think there might be something there? Maybe. Maybe. We shall see. What did you think about the introduction of the two groups? What did they do? They started fighting, right? As most groups do <laughs> in the beginning. Start fighting. And why were they there? They're trying to find a way to get old lace back, the dinosaur. Mm-hmm. And they use some magic and which character? Umberto. Yeah. And they went to some dino planet, right? Yeah. And they found old lace, which was good. What seems to be the big problem that's between the Avengers Academy 
and the runaways. Almost all groups the runaways find try to get them into some sort of like school or program or invite them into their group, and they don't want to. Mm-hmm. And that just always happens. And with this group, it happens too. But this time, they're trying to get the younger ones and separate them from the older ones. They're trying to protect the younger ones, right? Yeah, but these guys have been together for a while, so... Well, they've yeah. known each other for a while, so feel better together, probably, yeah. Yeah. What are you thinking about the story? Is it a fun story? Is it interesting? It's interesting. I like it. Who's your favorite teenager in all these groups, besides Julie Power? <laughs> it's not really a favorite teenager. I just always liked Molly. That's perfectly fine. Molly's a cool character to like. It's because she's a child. <laughs> It's funny. She knows who she is, and she's got a very strong opinion. Yeah. It's kind of funny with those characters. It could be you. You could be like that, right? Am I? I know I'm a girl. Accept it. No, it's not that. It's, it's just having a strong opinion. <laughs> <laughs> having a very strong... Oh. No, that's yeah. not me. That's not you. No. 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 <laughs> but right now, you are wearing some headgear like Molly. You know, you got the cat ear headphones on, so... Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> is there anything else you want to talk about this issue not really all right thank you very much for your time then carrie you're welcome i love you love you too Mm-hmm. carrie that's what you would do for a klondike bar i know that's what chase would do to save a dinosaur which is not like a klondike at all in fact i don't think you even talked about a klondike bar i think i just want an ice cream treat Shout out time. We'd like to recognize those listeners that take the time to write in or leave us a review. This is for episode 150, Adventures Academy number 25, Class Reunion. And we would like to thank Colin Stapleton and Jerry McMullen and their podcast, The Worst Comic Podcast Ever, which just made it to its 500th episode. Can you imagine? I can. That's a milestone, but I could imagine that. Next up is Doug Jones. Hoover Jeremiah. Jeff Pollier. Matt Luce. Michael Neertz. Tim Price, the podcrasher, and their podcast, Outcasters, who says, I will admit, I really couldn't put my finger on why the future story wasn't clicking, and here you guys put it perfectly. Well done. Oh, that's so nice. I don't remember what we said that made it all concise and smarts. But that's okay. The people that do remember what we say include some of our lovely Patreon supporters, and they give us a little bit of money to help us remember things, too. And that includes adorably astonishing and amazing Andrew Burns. Cheerfully cheeky and charming Char Logan. Challenging, cheesy, and chuckling Charles Gears. Destructive and devastatingly delightful Damian Witter. Dynamically dangerous and devious Doug Jones. Intelligent, interesting, and innovative Isaac Perry. Jesting, joking, and jovial Jeff Bollier. Just jealous and jeweled Jeremy Daw. Muscly, mighty, and meticulous Matthew Birdsey. Mythical and magnificent monologuing Matthew Laserwitz. Steely, salty, and steamy Sailor Bear Zodar. Sad and sickeningly silly Shag Matthews. Tyrannically terrifying and tame Tim Price. Way, way, wordy and wobbly waffles. Weird and wonderfully wacky Wind. Next, we're going to cover Avengers Academy issue number 29, Homecoming Part 2. Some point in time I will get back to doing some of my monthly Monday movie muckabout, but it's not anytime soon, because birthday boy, you know? I totally get it. And you know what you could get Rick for his birthday? Something for yourself. And you could get some merchandise, which is available on Redbubble. Go to redbubble.com and search for Unpacking the Power of Power Pack. Jeff and Rick present is a bi-weekly self-produced podcast recorded in front of a live studio audience in Portland, Oregon, with some scotch and some beer. If you would like to interact with us through the magic of the internet, you can do so through 
Blue Sky at Jeff and Rick Present, our Facebook page at Jeff and Rick Present, our email address, Jeff and Rick Present, all one word at gmail.com, or at our website, Jeff and Rick Present.wordpress.com. Also, our YouTube channels at Jeff and Rick Present. And if you would like to help support our show, we are on Patreon. You can find us at patreon.com, Jeff and Rick Present, all one word. We are also a proud supporter of the Hero Initiative, and we'll be donating 10% of our Patreon donations to this great cause. We encourage everyone to give what they can to this worthwhile organization that helps the creators who provide us with such great content. Go to heroinitiative.org to find out more. Please rate and review us wherever you can. Tell your friends about us or share your love for us on social media. And as always, we want to thank the powerful people in our packs. My wife, Cindy, and our daughter, Carrie. My fiance Hillary, and our daughter, Aurora. We, we love, love you. you. Until next time. Costumes, Costumes off. off. Our theme music is 80s action by Kevin McLeod. Also featured in this episode is Total Happy Up and Sunny by Sasha Ende. All music is found at competech.com and is licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 4.0 no license. Oh, that is a big H-E-double-C-1-K-N-O. Let me try again.